This is the one with a terrific Triffid-like tentacle. The slowest hand crank. Rubbish self-destructing Daleks. And a soundtrack taken straight from your average clown porno. It's called Death to the Daleks. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Well, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening, this <laughs> afternoon, this morning, whenever you're listening. Hello. Who are we actually for a start? Yeah, who are we? Who are we? I'm Jim. Hello, Jim. I'm pretty sure of that. And you are? I'm Leon. Hello. Oh, it is Leon. Hello. Hi, that's me. And together, <laughs> with our powers combined, we are... Who? Back. When? A Doctor Who podcast, or... Dogpast? You might say, yes. Yeah. And it's not just us. It's, it's just us for this, this one, in the classics. That's true. But there are other people. And we are temporarily recording in front of a live studio audience in the form of Minimal. Hello, Minimal. Now, what are we here to discuss? We are here to discuss the classic, which we have dubbed C-072. That's right. And it is called... Death to the Daleks. Which I have some issues with, but... <laughs> Why? Well, Maybe that's, that's a good place to start. <laughs> Pre-B-Scal. I think that's just my question. Why? Why is it called Death to the Daleks? <laughs> It didn't make a lot of sense for me, this title. There are so many noun to or noun of the Daleks oh, really? episodes. I mean, I'm thinking like a remembrance of death death to genesis of yada, yada, yada. I don't know. It's just a badass title. I, I feel like I was expecting like some genocide, though. <laughs> this, this feels like there should be like some real kind of Dalek wiping out maneuvers in this but that's not what we get in this serial. I'm but. not sure I've seen Genesis of the Daleks, but that seems to be a serial that should have been called <laughs> Death to the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. Shall we uh, do a little B-scale? Yeah, let's summarise this in a bite-sized chunk of who. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Hot off the heels of Invasion of the Dinosaurs, the third Doctor holds true to his promise to brand new companion Sarah Jane Smith and embarks on a trip to the planet Florana. Instead, however, they land in a foggy environment on the planet Exelon, and the TARDIS goes belly up. Also present are a human landing party there to find a rare resource unique to Exelon, and the local Exelons themselves, comprising a tribe of muddy monks, and then enter Daleks stage right. Also on a mining operation of sorts, I'm ready to stir some shit up. A local abandoned city seemingly absorbs all energy, including that of the TARDIS, and of all weaponry, and consequently all parties must now cooperate so that they can all leave the planet and go their respective ways. Be scow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? Where do you want to start? I don't know. I did. I wanted to start with the title, which we already kind of Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we do see a, a, an inordinate amount of Daleks die. We do. Does that count? I guess there is there is Dalek death in this, so... Should we call death to the Exelons? Well, kind of. Or <laughs> exploitation of the Exelons, yeah, ex- if you want to get some <laughs> literation in there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm, le- I'm letting it slide. If, if this is just what they do with the classics, they just shove a noun in there and go, Dalek. Something of the Daleks. I mean, this yeah. is another Terry Nation story. This yeah. is... 
Terry Nation, inventor of the Daleks, wrote this four-part serial. And I think it's okay to say he was not a great writer. (laughs) (laughs) I would back you on that one. Yeah, like, fine, he invented the Daleks. Well done, buddy. But but aside from that... And I guess, actually, they do all die in the last one. That is true. Yeah, but it's it's not really a scale that is worthy of no. death to the Daleks. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's kind of like a big war manoeuvre kind of and level also, title. Yeah, and that also almost uh, presupposes that everything is told from the point of view of the hero, namely, what's-his-face, uh, Galloway, who, uh, you know, he suicide bombs the Daleks. Yeah. So, is he the hero? Is everything told from his point of view? Is it death to the Daleks because that's the end of his arc as a character? Um, I don't. I don't want the serial to be his arc because that's a shit arc. <laughs> it is a shit arc. <laughs> like you would not get many animals two by two into that arc. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> um, yeah, Galloway. Should we? Should we talk about Galloway? Sure. How do you feel about Galloway? He was a bit of a dick. <laughs> then he did then he did a sacrifice thing so yeah kind of redeemed himself. totally but... redeemed himself yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> it just kind of come out of nowhere as well like i don't i don't feel like we knew enough about him to kind of suspect he had the moral fiber to blow did, himself up did he need to blow himself up well this is also a thing could he have not stuck it to the side of the ship and then ran away and let them go yeah yeah a yeah, hundred percent <laughs> When they're, when they're kind of looking around, where's, where's Galloway? Where's Galloway? It's like, I know, because of the writing up to this point being quite bad, Yeah, he's on the spaceship and he's sure. going to blow up. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> but I also knew he didn't have to do that. We did have Chekhov's explosives when he goes, we'll save one for <laughs> yes. later. Oh, no, I wonder. But uh, maybe that's also part of the Terry Nation trickery that, you know, three quarters of the way through the writing process, Terry Nation or someone maybe tells Terry Nation, you know what, you've set up this guy to be sort of a bad guy. He's a traitor. He has usurped the the, the throne, the, the point of leadership within the human contingent. But then you never follow up on it. How are you going to solve this? Oh, I've got a solution. Blow him up. <laughs> no. it's, it's Dalek logic. Like, it is like with, them, with the puzzles. It's yeah. Like, if in doubt, shoot it or blow it up. <laughs> He's second in command, right? So when the first in command, when he is on his, well, effectively on his deathbed, yeah. and he, for no real reason, goes, listen, you're a dick. <laughs> I'm not going to let you take over this operation. I'm going to let the other dude do it instead. Yeah. And then he just dies. Galloway clearly just goes, I kind of missed that part. Yeah. Sinisterly to his corpse. And now he is the first in command. But from that point on, that is of no consequence because he still has to follow, he has to take orders from the Daleks. Yeah, neither of them are leading the human party really anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like... And they're completely disbanded. I feel like Lieutenant Peter... What is he? Lieutenant Peter Hamilton. Was oh, he meant I wrote to names be... down this time. Oh, well done. <laughs> is Hamilton the guy who should have taken over? Yeah, I, I think so. I feel like if Galloway had walked up to him and said, look, Commander Guy's just died. Yeah. Told me I'm a dick, um, so you're in charge. <laughs> Peter probably would have just gone, what the, what? what the fuck? But I don't know. I don't, I, know I don't want to be in thing. charge. Yeah, I don't know yeah. the first thing about being in charge. Uh, how about we just talk to each other and do stuff, okay? Yeah. yeah. No, no one in charge? Yeah. You good with that? Great. <laughs> like, they were kind of discounting the civilian woman. Yeah. Not. I'm not sure if more because she was a woman or more because she was a civilian. It, wh- is she a civilian? I think so. Is her role ever explored? 
I didn't actually write down what her, she was. She was more to do with the sciencey side of stuff. I'm pretty sure she was the only one that wasn't part of the Marine Space Corps. That, I was just, I literally just control F space to find the name of their mm-hmm. outfits. Okay, Marine Space Corps. Yeah, so... So is she a geologist or something? Mm, I can't remember what they said. It's something to do with a science, yeah, biology or... Can we deconstruct what they're actually there to do? So for for people in podcast land who haven't watched this serial, as we sort of insinuated in the B-Scale, these people are there to kind of mine the planet for some valuable ore that might be used as an energy source or something like that. It's a little little unclear what the substance is, but it's it's a rare element. I think they talk about it as an element. Okay. Which you can um, only find on Exelon, and that can power things, right? It is on Earth, but it's incredibly rare, okay. whereas it's abundant on Exelon. Gotcha, okay. It has something to do with a cure. Oh! Yeah. Yes, yeah. He says, oh, we need to get this, uh, whatever it's called, to the, like, the human outposts. Millions of lives depend on it. Yeah. I don't think they're really that clear on how it is a cure. I don't think they're that clear on what it is. But the Daleks would, who are also there to obtain the same substance or elements, they are there to use that as a power source to like power their weapons or whatever. They will take over the universe using this substance. Do, do the Daleks actually say? I remember there's, there's a scene when they're deciding to team up with them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we mustn't tell them this. And we definitely shouldn't tell them that. And under no circumstances tell them that, Reg. <laughs> um, yeah, as part of a Dalek exposition in part four, uh, we have a line. Uh, I've written this down. This is part four, soundbites, 21 minutes in. We have all the perennium we need. With it, we can force the space powers to accede to our demands. So they will use it as a, either as a weapon or as a... Maybe it's even like, hey, because we have it and you need it as a cure, but we have all of it. If they do not, millions of people on the outer planets will perish. Maybe that's how we're going to like blackmail you. I don't know. I feel like it's a very wishy-washy... Uh, this thing is... It's for cure medicine. It's for powering spaceships. It's for taking over the universe. It's unobtainium. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, it but, but I, okay, so a serious question. Why are they... The human party who don't know that Daleks are going to show up, why have they only sent five people to it? And why are four of them, or three... Is it four people maybe they've said there? All but one of them anyway. They're soldiers. One is a civilian or a scientist or whatever. But they've only sent this teeny tiny group. They don't have digging machinery. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they've gone there knowing that they will enslave the local population and force them to hand over their own you know, rare substance. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really clear on what they thought they were going to do when they got there. Um it's, they don't seem to have any equipment on display that we see through the serial. No, I don't think so. For for even if even if it was for doing the the, the pan handling, which I think you see an Exelon do. Yeah. Um. They, I, they don't even see that in their little tent like structure. That's true. Uh, you know, know what? Oh, I think I can explain this. I just thought of it because all electricity has been zapped. Maybe they did show up with like an army of robots and industrial oh, machines. Yeah ready to just press a button and have their spaceship do everything. But because there's no electricity, nothing to power it, they have to rely on slave labor. <laughs> I, I like it as a solution. Okay. I hate that it's never mentioned. It's never mentioned. We don't even <laughs> get to see their spaceship, by the way. Do we? Um, I'm not sure that we do. I'm not sure we do. We. I found it odd, actually. This particular serial, 
yeah. that there were a lot of miniature kind of scenes yeah. of, uh, I forgot what the name of the technique is, where, you know, you film a, a little small thing and then you've got miniatures kind of like, or a matte painting behind it. Sure. Which were done quite poorly in this serial. There are some that are poorly and some that look amazing, I thought. This, the Citadel stuff, actually, like the city or... Yeah. Is it called a Citadel? I don't, I don't know. Living city stuff. Um, yeah. I kind of quite like that, actually. Yeah. But there, there were a couple of bits early on with the Daleks coming out of their ship and them going into their little tent. And I was... <laughs> I couldn't quite understand why they felt like they couldn't have built a tiny set for the outside of the tent. <laughs> They had to do a little kind of miniature <laughs> thing when blatantly they did a doorway. Yeah, um, you could. They film it like they film an actual prop door opening from the inside, but then to film it from the outside, that's a miniature. Yeah, there's lots of weird, weird things kind of going on with that. I, I wasn't quite sure why. Okay, so interestingly, that is on my list of excellent effects. Oh, I, really? I love that. <laughs> I thought that was really well done. I also really loved the. Uh, the miniature Dalek spaceship landing. Oh, you did, did you? I mean, you can from in a you know Plan Nine from outer space kind of way. <laughs> uh, and I really liked the weird um, one-eyed trouser snake dragon. Where that you was also, awesome. Yeah, what it's. I mean, coming out of the water like fucking yeah. the, like Nessie. Super cool. I <laughs> thought. It. Yeah, it was. A, it was a little bit weak when my doc first sees it underground. Yeah. In the lake scene, I thought that was brilliant. And it's so huge. Yeah. It's enormous, just the scale of it. It's a big trouser snake. It is. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't really know Day of the Trippets that well, but I've heard a, right. enough references to it that anything that's like tentacle-like, I kind of think of as a Triffid. So there was this, recently this, this, a remake of it. Oh, was there? Yeah, made-for-TV remake with what's-his-face... Uh, low rent Gerard Butler. I'll find it. I'll find his name. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Assuming it's shit. But, oh uh, yeah, yeah. And it's not one, not worthy of watching. Um, so yeah, I I saw it and immediately kind of thought, oh, is this this is a Triffid like thing, and I don't know if if there's ever an intention to kind of reference those kind of things or not. But but Triffids are plants, right? They They're are flowers. plants. Yeah. Uh, Doug Gray Scott is the guy I was thinking of, by the way. I do not know who. Doug Gray Scott. He's low rent Gerard Butler. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe maybe it's just a weird connection in my brain then. I don't know. Genuinely, I don't remember what the Triffids looked like. I, I think I saw the original one as a kid. I, I did. The really old one, the 70s one. I did a quick kind of Google image search when I made my notes to make sure I wasn't just going off on a bender. And they do have kind of tentacly like things, but the okay. the ends of them tend to look more like, say, the opening of, um, oh, I forget the name of the flower, but like a cup-like flower oh, okay with a kind of protruding thing Ooh. you know one of the one of those ones where the hummingbirds go well oh, hello wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen you before yeah. do you come here a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah they're probably not really like triffids but it's a tentacly thing it reminded me a little bit of the tentacly thing that comes out of the tripods in war of the worlds uh, yeah, because it also has like a little. It has like a light at the end of it. I, I mean, I'm assuming it's meant to be an eyeball or something <laughs> in the serial. But the thing that fires fire. <laughs> yeah, is it is it meant to be a dragon? Is that the idea? I I don't know what it's it sort meant of shoots to be. fire. Yeah, it's never explained either. Yeah, I do the, like it. The though. doctor refers to it as a root. Yes, like a root of the city. Yeah, um, which I don't really get. I don't think it's ever put into context that makes sense. I think maybe it's a, well maybe that's it maybe it's uh just maybe it's an electronic thing that stems from the city itself but why would you describe it as a root like is is it getting nutrients for the city is it pulling up energy somehow oh, I see what you're saying 
Like, uh, they, I, actually, I maybe know. they do make a reference because they make a reference to it. The city taking energy from the sky, like it's absorbing yeah. electrical stuff. And I think they do say something about it taking things from below and above. So maybe that is all that. So maybe, maybe it is meant to be. But I don't know why it's this kind of half sentient <laughs> thing that can attack <laughs> <laughs> rather than just an electrical cable. <laughs> but anyway, it's quite cool. Yeah. I also, um, I, I find this interesting talking about classics, actually, because it, okay. it reminded me of Star Wars. But of course, oh. this predates Star Wars. What are you? What are you? The the trash compactor monster. Oh, it made me think of that. Okay, yeah, cool. Just when it was in the lake, because I think the very last thing we see of it in the lake is it is kind of slithering around in the water. Yeah, and just is a bit lower to the ground. And that's true. And it pops out, and it's sort of like a periscopy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. It also has kind of the same effect of the uh, what's it called? What's it called in Jedi? The thing that pulls people into the hole. Oh, the sarlacc. Sarlacc. Thank you. Uh, Yes. There's a lot of tentacle things oh, man, in, in sci-fi, isn't oh, God, there? I love me a good tentacle. Is, it, is this just people obsessed with their dongs? <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do we make this monster seem menacing? <laughs> make it look like a schlong. Yeah, that uh, pretty much covers it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a direct question for you. Okay, let's hear it. Because I seem to recall you have had either issues or at least thoughts about when they've done point of views from Daleks before. Oh, no way. Okay, so I'm literally highlighting Dalek vision question mark in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. And we also had uh, an Exelon point of view as well. Oh, do we? Very early on in, or the right, middle of the first episode. Okay. When it's attacking Sarah Jane. Or she's, attack- oh, she's yeah, you're attacking right. it, really. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, so we, we get a few different point of views in this, but most mostly it's the Dalek through the barrel. Yeah. Do yeah. You, did and you like it? I mean, the Daleks seemed the Daleks seemed different in this one to Daleks in general, partly because they have a different voice, as in it's a different actor voicing them. He has voiced them before, but even when he's done so, I can't remember when this was now. But even when this has come up, we have on who back when said they sound different, like they sound less menacing. Okay, I'm glad this wasn't just me then, because I I think I settled into it, but as soon as they appeared. Well, I was like, what? They sound oh, weird. Oh, these are budget Daleks. Yeah. Like they, they, they sound way less menacing. They just sound like a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and secondly, they are like flammable. They're very easily distracted, easily destroyed, etc. So they're different in that regard as well. Yeah. And the gun effect looks slightly more erotic <laughs> we'll come back to your to, okay, yeah. to, to the point of view thing but just on the gun oh effect, yeah sorry, sorry I, I did i did quite like I've, I've lost my note but i basically wrote smiley face dalek gun noise slurp 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 because <laughs> <laughs> when it doesn't have the exterminate sound over yeah it's top just of a it, wet it just mouth <laughs> sound yeah <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> it's pretty gross yeah so the point of, point of view thing point of view thing i think also looks different to how it's uh, looked before you're right it's sort of the it's almost the james bond's barrel yeah. intro except it's reflective around it's, it yeah it's very and it seems as though wow they can see nothing yeah <laughs> their, their vision is so incredibly impaired which it hasn't seemed like before and especially if you compare that to modern day you know new who daleks whereby yeah they can only see that barrel but everything surrounding it is just like data yeah. So they're, they're getting lots of information, probably know more about their surroundings than you or I. These ones, I mean, 
they're like watching they're looking at the world through a rolled up magazine yeah <laughs> you can see it's nothing pretty crap vision yeah definitely so is this something that's happened before in classic then do we do, we do this from time to time we have had Dalek vision yes and I think there's I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which episode this is but it, it, ladies and gents if you scrub through the, the classic who episodes on whoback1.com you'll find a screenshot of this and it definitely looked different as in it wasn't reflective or whatever yeah uh, but uh, probably still equally impaired, if you will. Yeah, limited. It does. It it makes them seem a lot worse. It, it yeah, more lose, vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we we've discussed before, and obviously loads of people have talked about how Nathbadars can be because yeah. sometimes you just throw a sheet over them and and spin them around. You yeah. know, but they have some really bad episodes where they're just really vulnerable and crap. Yeah, and I don't see why you would go out of your way to show something else that makes them seem rubbish when they're, they're meant to be this menacing ultimate kill machine. You know? it's, it's also interesting because this is the first time that Sarah Jane Smith has ever encountered Daleks. Yeah. So you get all these scenes whereby Pertwee's third doctor has to introduce Sarah Jane to what Daleks are. And he keeps telling her, like, they are the most technologically advanced species <laughs> in the universe. They are incredibly intelligent. He wants to cooperate with them because they are so intelligent that they might bring something to, you know, put something on the plate that he could not provide himself. Yeah. But then to demonstrate this, you get to see this shit barrel vision and you get to see inside the spaceship, the Dalek spaceship, the like their console, which looks like a, you know, like a, a touch tone uh, telephone for the elderly, like just gigantic <laughs> buttons everywhere. It's they hard to operate things with a plunger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it, it doesn't match it. I don't think it's ever necessarily matched, even in New Who, but at least... Oh, at least give them access to more advanced stuff. Don't just say that they're advanced and then show them as... Just yeah, because the only advancement they make, really... So they, they have access to a bomb, which still works, and they swap yeah. out their weaponry for something that works. Why? Which, Explain that to me, please. Well, I took it that... Because they, they make a reference to uh, this primitive weaponry is crap but will work or something like that oh so, so it's I, non-electric so i took it to be they were firing bullets oh i see yeah and yeah. you do you do see impact hits i think on scenery and um yeah the excellence when they start like shooting the floor they shoot yeah the floor, it? so yeah. i assumed they, it was some kind of projectile base whereas obviously the extermination ray is some other technology we don't understand yeah and, you know so it was yeah uh projectile base versus Energy based, I assume. So it, the Citadel was slurping up energy, but these kind of things, which is why they had bows and arrows, I guess. The, yeah, the exactly. ex- excellence. So it's, it's that little. And the humans. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? How long have the humans been I on Excellent? <laughs> like they've fashioned they, bows and arrows. I feel like there must have been some more people with them who have died. Oh, do you think so? Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, which is possibly why when What's His Chops buys it, um, oh, J- yeah, Jill's yeah. Um, wanting to kind of take his body and stuff maybe she's already seen a lot of people die and they've been trying to they always have a trouble with i think we get to see a body bag actually at one point oh do we i think so but that might be someone who whom we actually get to see die on screen there's there's at least one dude who gets an arrow in the in the back yeah uh captain richard railton well done yeah look at me writing yeah well done writing down all these character names (laughs) 
Um, I could have looked it all up. But, yeah. I've, I've got weird trivia about two of the uh, humans, by the way. Okay, shoot. Uh, as in two of the actors playing humans is what I mean, sorry. Uh, they're all humans as far <laughs> as we're aware. Yeah, We have alien actors in there. Wow. <laughs> Even the aliens were played by humans, ladies and gents. So it, okay, so here, here we go. Galloway. We've already mentioned Galloway. Galloway was played by Duncan Lamont. He hasn't appeared on Doctor Who before. However, he's appeared on another show that we've referenced on numerous occasions across Who Back When, namely Blake Seven, uh, yeah. which is another show that I grew up with and, and loved dearly as a, as a child. During the filming of an episode of Blake Seven, an episode called Hostage, I don't remember this episode, but um, he was in it and he died during production. And another actor stepped in to take over that exact same role. And that actor was John Abineri, who was in this episode. He is the guy, I believe, who is on his deathbed. No way. I think so. He's another one of the human space marshals or whatever. One actor from this episode died during the production of an episode of Blake Seven, was replaced by another actor in this episode. Spooky. Yeah, very spooky. So uh, Blake... Oh, sorry. I don't ahead. really know Blake Seven, but that... That must have been... That's 70s as well. So it's around the same time, yeah. So not that long after this, presumably. No, died. no, I think it's... Yeah, you're... Actually, yeah, you're right. Mm. That's a very... That's a, a good and sad point. Yeah. Mm. So Galloway or Lamont uh, sadly passed away shortly after this, I guess. Uh, John Abinari, by the way, we have seen before. It would help if I knew whom he played. <laughs> I don't Commander know. Stewart. Oh, well done. Thank you. Uh, he was... Also in Fury from the Deep, as Van Lutyens himself, who's one of the main characters there. Uh, Ambassadors of Death, Death of the Daleks. And, no, sorry, he played... Ah, no, he, in this one, he played Richard Railton. Oh, he's Railton. He's okay. Railton, yeah. Uh, and then he's also going to show up one more time in The Power of Kroll, as Rangwin, whoever that is. I do, I do kind of like how this thing happens in Doctor Who. You can play to all these different people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, most of the time, I'm... I'm assuming they're not playing a monster as well. They're not then they're, getting they're, covered up. Yeah, exactly. They're just like random human number one, <laughs> random human number two. And it, they just let it slide. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like, <laughs> but, but wasn't that guy in the, the Marine Space Corps? No, I think you'll find he was wearing a different jacket. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> like there are never, no other actors <laughs> available. But hey. I quite enjoy that. Yeah, I quite like it. <laughs> we haven't talked about the Exelons. How do you feel about the Exelons? My f- first note about them is a brown sheep makes good camouflage, but it's not very menacing. <laughs> <laughs> like the Did first half s- of the <laughs> first episode, like you're meant to be scared, I think, of these things that look like statues but keep moving. And I didn't really see how they were that scary. So the, the first time... Okay, this, this brings up something that I had actually forgotten about, but maybe you can, you can enlighten me about this. I'm not entirely sure, maybe I'm misremembering, but the first time they exit the TARDIS, as in that the Doctor and Sarah Jane exit the TARDIS, yeah. they see a rock, and Sarah Jane is spooked by this rock, and the Doctor explains, oh, it looks like it was alive once, and it has since petrified. Yeah, which is I that an Exelon? I have no idea. They'd never come back to this. I don't think that's followed up on either. No. I think at the time, I thought it was some kind of plant life like maybe it was a cactus or something okay like a cactus like plant um because at that point we hadn't seen the exelons yeah but then well because the exelons don't have a sheet over them no like they they have thrown a sheet over themselves to camouflage themselves they look like the exiled guy who is a humanoid with big skin (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and uh, glow-in-the-dark veins. Like, they they don't look like that petrified. I love the glow-in-the-dark veins, by the way. Yeah. Something's just dawned on me. Terry Nation also wrote the second ever Doctor Who serial called The Daleks. The, the, first, the introduction of The Daleks. Which, I think, kind of beat for beat matches this serial. Oh, really? I think he's ripped off himself. It's the same serial that was then the the basis for the first of the, uh, what's his name, Peter Cushing movies, if you've seen those, the color ones, the technicolor ones, uh, whereby the the Doctor, his granddaughter, and, well, Barbara and Ian, the companions at the time, show up on a planet, which we don't know of yet. They exit, they walk around the forest, and they come upon a petrified alien life, life form... Ooh. In that one, it's like a dinosaur type thing. It's like a large lizard, and it's petrified. And they just go, oh, it seems to have turned to stone, and then never follow up on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes a thing he did before yeah. that made no sense. And re- it repeats it, yes. Rather than explain it or improve upon it, I think he has genuinely ripped off himself. Oh, dear. And in that one as well, they then go to a city, like a a one city in the middle of nowhere. It's the planet Scar, it's the Dalek planet, and there's just like this one city which has death traps in it. Fuck me, this didn't dawn on me until now. He has ripped off the Daleks. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so happy to (laughs) realize this. Okay, sorry. (laughs) But yeah, okay, so sorry. Uh, We were talking about Exelons. There are three different kinds of Exelons. It would seem, yeah. Did you notice that they had faces at first? At first being when they had the sheets over them. Yeah. Oh, so oh, I, so I, I didn't know if I missed that or if they actually had sheets over them. But okay, yeah, okay, cool. So we don't get to see the faces until later then. I don't, well, the only, the only thing I thought of when they were still just kind of like the, the sheet monsters. When they're, yeah, when we're just seeing them as sheets among the landscape. Yeah. Um... So they're the, covering the, their faces. Like. Yeah, the the only hint we have that there's something under the sheet, I think, is when we see the point of view. So when it's the one in the TARDIS and Sarah Jane's attacking it, it flips to the point of view and you kind of see it that through a, a little slit. Ah, so okay. that, that was the first thing when I was like, well, there's something under a sheet here. Oh, very so well spotted. I missed it's, that. It's not just a crappy Doctor Who <laughs> costume. It is genuinely a sheet. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I kind of wish they kept the sheet on in a way because when they went, when they go and it's the sac- sacrifice, yeah. and, and you see them as the the faces. Do you not like the faces? I love those faces. I, They're super creepy. I liked them, like on the the helper guy, uh, Beryl. Oh, is he Beryl? Beryl? I, I never actually noted his name. Um, yeah, so the exiled guy who helps the doctor. Yeah, um, Beryl. I liked his whole kind of appearance. Appearance, yeah. Um, but the, the ones that were the, you, you coined them as the muddy monks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they, they are monks, right? Yeah. Those ones felt too much like there was a prosthetic head (laughs) on top of a normal head. Like it was, it wasn't a mask. It was like, it was above the head and it was just a bit, a bit too floppy. (laughs) A little flimsy. Yeah. Are they meant to be taller than, than humans? I don't much know. taller than Sarah Jane, maybe. Well, the the exiled guy is tiny. He's t- exactly. I was going to say that. So when 
it, since you're saying that that head is like a prosthetic head, normally you get that in Doctor Who and in a lot of old sci-fi where they've just stuck a head atop the head of the actor and the actor is looking through like between the quote-unquote shoulders of the, the yeah. creature, like from the chest out. But yeah, exactly. Barrel. Barrel. I'm going to spell it B-E-R-Y-L. Barrel is is minuscule he's super short and very well done for that as a oh cool his skin is different his arms and legs are slightly different etc i have a question for you though i have written down in my notes is beryl naked well probably okay (laughs) (laughs) just because the monks wear robes of sorts or these sheets or whatever they are yeah i think beryl's naked I think they probably are a naked race. I don't know. <laughs> they are a naked race. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are plenty of life forms on this planet that don't clothe themselves. Like the assumption because you're sentient, you have to wear clothes is that's true. But it seems as though th- they haven't quite pinpointed the levels of um, sophistication and technological advancement. So you have the monks who are, they are the ruling group, yeah. right? And they are described as Stone Age excellence. But despite this, they have a, they have language. They have all these rituals. They have clothes. They have somehow a, a command over fire. Uh, they're able to make rudimentary gates they manufacture candles or they have a ready supply of candles <laughs> <laughs> i didn't smoke candles actually they're like actual genuine salt of the earth fucking honest to god candles <laughs> <laughs> i i feel like it's not entirely clear where their level is i think this is what you're getting at but they also and I think grunt. I agree. they grunt because they're the stone age ones and then um beryl who's one of the exiled ones is very eloquent <laughs> he's super he's so sophisticated he speaks very well he's intelligent he can solve problems he's studied history yeah yet we only get to see two of those dudes and spend most of the time with beryl but he walks around naked underground and is not sophisticated enough to take over quote-unquote the the surface of the planet um, that makes no sense to me well he, he does make mention of there being very few of them and okay so i don't but i, I don't well, quite they get just move elsewhere why do they have yeah. to s- share a fucking tunnel with the root creep <laughs> like maybe move to the, the other side of the planet you will thrive well yeah maybe they still learn maybe they'd see it as like they're on a constant archaeological expedition and they they want to find the <laughs> all of the the lost knowledge that they they had as a race okay uh, so fine fast forward to we are now inside the citadel or the city or whatever and we are in the control room where the re- <laughs> the remains the i don't know somehow not petrified, but like the dust of this dude who's about to fucking Jedi out of existence. I, I, I am so on the fence with this. I, I could leap up with joy in some ways about that and, and then just crush in despair. As well. I, I love that it was just kind of oh, they're being watched for, for yeah. quite a few scenes and then it just, just no, it was a 
conveniently piled layer of dust <laughs> in the shape of a of a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and obviously not convenient. Like, I, I'm not quite sure if there is any science to back that you could die, <laughs> fall apart on a <laughs> not atomic scale, but on a very microscopic scale. Yeah, um, and then the the nearest door opening just means you yeah, evaporate. I, yeah, yeah. You, you die, you decompose, you turn to dust, but you retain your complete... Like, it's just the connection between atoms yeah. that fails. The atoms themselves, they're there. I, I feel like, you, for a start, there's going to have to be no bacteria in that room. There's nope. no no other kind of uh, low-level life form. And, and Oh, dude, I have a bone to I, pick I about just, this. I, I, I just... So I, first I, kind of, of I kind of want it to, <laughs> to be true. I kind of want it. That's how it should work. Is that because you also want a Jedi out of existence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, ladies and gents of Podcast Land, this is a... Like, imagine when Obi-Wan gets lightsabered by Darth Vader and he just turns into a bathrobe. Like, that's what happens to this dude. He's sitting down and he's like, poof, he just fades out. And it turns out he's, he's dust. And I've written down the quotes... It's because when they opened the door, quote, a current of air broke the surface tension. Yeah, Yeah, gloss over the fact the surface tension applies to liquids, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what? what, I'm going to hit the ground with despair because okay. this is this is sci-fi is worse <laughs> this is throwing vaguely sounding science <laughs> things at a wall and just uh, hoping that people will go oh yes i i've heard of surface tension that seems totally plausible i'm i'm totally on board with this episode now <laughs> terry nation invented the daleks knew nothing about science Kit Peddler invented the Cybermen and was himself a scientist and, like, the scientific advisor to Doctor Who as a production. And therefore, all the Cybermen serials, in in contrast to the Dalek ones, they contain genuine scientific terminology, whereas the Dalek ones are just, like, Terry Nation either spouting whatever word he got on his word, scientific word of the day, toilet paper, (laughs) or, or, you know, just shit with the prefix space. I was going to say, are you going to bring up space? <laughs> <laughs> the the equivalent of the Citadel in the serial The Daleks, by the way, also by Terry Nation, is referred to as a, quote, space city. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If, if nothing, he is consistent. That's true. But okay, hang on, wait, 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 wait. So we have the Exelon who's just dust in the shape of an Exelon, mm-hmm. but he... He's dressed just like the Stone Age Exelons. He is. So why why wouldn't he be petrified but in the... Okay, wait, hang on. Are we now presupposing that before he died, he was wearing like a snazzy suit, <laughs> like an astronaut helmet or something, but then when he died, the dust settled in the shape of a Stone Age Exelon? <laughs> I'm not presupposing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, related question. If he can die and just be like a a dust person, <laughs> yeah. how do you feel about the standing up in the middle of the room skeleton? skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> in part three, in my notes, I've just written, um, can you die and decompose standing up? <laughs> they, no, I'm not even going to attempt to explain it. <laughs> Strangely enough, though, I, I really didn't give a crap at the time. I was just, <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that looks ridiculous, but let's move on. But, 
But also, okay, so that's a room where, in the Citadel, we should clarify this to Podcast Land, in the Citadel, every room is like, it's basically an episode, it's either a room in the movie Cube, or it's a different challenge at Fort Bayard, or you had a different version of Fort Bayard, what was it called? Uh, I brought up the Krypton Factor. Krypton Factor. Just because that was a great... I've never uh, seen it. Challenge TV. Uh, that is not. I'm not <laughs> saying it is on Challenge TV. It probably is on Challenge TV, which is okay. a, a TV show in the UK. Um, but like a, a game show that had challenges. Okay. Um, and oh my god, it's it's amazing for a study of what English people looked like in the 80s. Oh really? 25 year olds <laughs> look like they're in their mid 40s. <laughs> it's it's classic gold. Um, yeah, the the Citadel though. Oh, well, you too. With with this setup is every room is a different challenge. Yeah, yeah. But the challenges are such bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it, so it, the standing up scale. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I have to steal. I have to steal a little bit of the the thunder here because Go this just annoyed me so much. <laughs> there are there are I think three skeletons in this room. Yes, three skeletons could not they could not solve a very simple maze puzzle which literally we see a quarter of it and i've got halfway across the screen you know like we're pretty much there like the way these maze puzzles work you're pretty much on the right route by that point and and it's like they died they literally died trying to do this except one dude who like just he was facing the wrong way and died standing up He's, he's probably just there in disgust in the, in the background because someone... But shouldn't shouldn't there be, like, a skeleton at the foot of the puzzle as yeah, well? Yeah, there should like, be, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's... I don't know. It's, it was just such a nonsense. <laughs> and, and what is this setup? Why are there a series of challenges to get into the Citadel? It's in my notes. <laughs> I don't understand this either. And it, it, it also makes no sense. So the first one, the first, the labyrinth challenge. Oh, sorry, no. So there's a challenge outside of the Citadel itself in order to gain oh, yeah. entrance to it. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, which is identical, in fact, to the challenge that allows... Uh, I want to say Ian of Babs and Ian fame, the companions at the time, mm. to enter the equivalent of the Citadel in the Daleks. Wow. There's also a challenge at the door. And um, anyway, so that's that's a challenge based on linguistics. Challenge number two, the the maze, the labyrinth puzzle, it's, it's a challenge based on uh, do you possess the level of intelligence of a five-year-old or yep. not? Challenge number three, do you possess a sonic screwdriver? <laughs> or can you jump really far? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Fact, actually, possibly not even that far. I feel like most of us could have long yeah, jumped over that. Yeah. You don't need, excuse me, Venusian hopscotch. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need this. <laughs> Couldn't he just say, like, uh, you know, stay away from the red bits? Yeah, or, which is basically what it boiled down to. Yeah, exactly. Or could you just walk across it? Like, or jump across it. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> I did. I kind of liked how much um, he was helping Beryl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beryl through poor, with his little legs. Oh, poor little Beryl. And it, but presumably there was, <laughs> there's a point in this where he's he's kind of halfway across it. And it's not very big. No, he it, can now take a big step to yeah, the rest it's, of it. It's at most two meters. But, but they make a big point of him jumping the last bit. And it's like, hold on to my arm and jump yeah. at the same time, I'll pull you. And it's actually so quite sweet. It's, yeah. it's like the doctor's like helping him out, and I kind of like that. <laughs> but it is just ludicrous. Oh, That is also the worst cliffhanger of these, this four-episode oh, serial. The, where it just ends on the floor. Yeah, stop, don't move anywhere. <laughs> There's a pattern on the floor. 
what what is my note? Uh, ends on some tiles. <laughs> yeah, the 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 cliff because because I'm getting that with I'm settling into the the classic serial kind of way and yeah they they do try and end each episode with something Certainly, cliffhangery yeah. definitely yeah and then they recap the last 30 seconds with the start of the next one yeah um <laughs> but yeah I, I, I just don't understand what they were thinking with that like i'm sure they could have made up something to do with challenges that wasn't literally panned down to the floor and <laughs> end, end scene <laughs> it, it could be i mean why not have at the start of the next episode, at the start of episode four or whatever it is, it, you have the doctor demonstrating how what would have happened had they failed. Yeah. Like throw a coin there and there's electricity. Why not end on electricity? And all the kids watching this in 1970, whenever this was, three or four, it would go, oh my goodness, the doctor's about to get electrocuted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nope. See, we solved that problem. They would have taken them, I don't know, two minutes. A t- that's a two minute rewrite terry (laughs) did you realize that the doctor would have died in 1973 had it not been for the daleks the daleks saved the doctor like thrice in this episode in the serial do continue okay (laughs) working backwards the dalek uh, sorry the doctor and beryl they are attacked by the mutant exelons true who are created by the, the the machine controlling the citadel can just build new life forms and creates these two mutant exelons who attack them are about to kill the doctor the daleks step in kill the mutant exelons or at least like distract them so that the doctor can get away yep okay part two i want to say the doctor is about to get killed this is again backwards i think correct me if i'm wrong the doctor is about to get killed by the root Dalek shows up and has a laser fight with the Root. Yep. Uh, and number three, the Daleks are... Oh, oh, wait, hang on. The the overwhelming climax of this uh, episode in terms of this, ep- this show did not deserve to continue past 1973, but I'm so glad that it did, <laughs> is the Daleks go, you are... We are aware that you are our ancient enemy, Doctor... But we will leave you here alive, and we will go up there, and then we will fire a plague missile onto this planet, <laughs> which will slowly kill you. Instead of just going, boom, dead. Yeah. They have access to bullets throughout the serial, <laughs> yeah, but they, they don't they, use them. They forget their really stoic evilness yeah. a lot in this episode, <laughs> don't they? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, d- wait, hang on. The, the, he's about to get... Uh, killed by the Stone Age, the monks, the mud monks. He's about to be sacrificed, oh. and the Daleks save him there as well. Yeah. There you go. Over and over again. Sorry, I cut you off there. Very rude. Apologies. Well, I think it... Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting in the sense that, obviously, their foes and the Daleks should really just be killing everything. Yeah. Um, but the Daleks really should just be killing everything, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like it. I don't, I don't know. Like, I've genuinely got um, a plus point that the Daleks overcome the, the energy problem, make some kind of projectile weapon instead of their exterminator gun, 
and they go on a killing spree. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. That was actually a plus point because this is what they're meant to be. Yeah. Like, they just go and kill shit. <laughs> they Russian pencil this, if that makes any sense. Um, which which yeah. film is this? Which film is this? Oh, is this Armageddon? I can't remember what this is. They are the uh, NASA spent millions upon millions to build a ballpoint pen that oh. could work in zero G, and the Russians just used a pencil. I feel like that's that's been countered though, because the lead in the pencil can short circuit instruments, which is why oh. why they don't want to use it because it oh. could snap off. And oh, very good. But I th- I think there's there's still like you could use a crayon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a non lead pencil. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> So what what else happens? Is well, there is there is some serious death in this? Yeah, we get the very first scene we see someone get shot with an arrow and fall into a pit of well, not just into a lake, probably. Yeah, um, it's quite violent. We see the the captain who is who is the main kind of human character that we bond with. Yeah, who buys it with a, gets, an arrow to the back or gets whatever. Shot in the back with an arrow. Yeah. Um, it's they're, not child friendly. It's not pulling punches in in a, a few instances, definitely. Also, I mean, you could argue the excellents themselves. They look very scary. So that already, I, I realize that that's not brutality in and of itself, and I don't want to judge anyone by their appearance. But if children are watching this in the seventies, then they will see the excellents and go, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> you know, or "Oh crumbs!" Oh crikey! <laughs> Mummy. Um. Oh. I have a thing in my notes, which okay. I'm kind of proud of. I want to hear it. Because I wrote, Triffid 1, Dalek 0, and then the Doctor made the very same joke <gasps> shortly afterwards. No way! <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> and shortly, another note crops up as, Triffid 2, Dalek 0. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. In that same kind of vein, though, mm-hmm. going back to what you were saying, the Daleks kind of explode a little bit too easily in this. Like, yeah, I, I kind of liked it when the the, the Triffid monster was attacking them because at least it was it had like a fire weapon or like laser weapon or something, and that seemed like yeah, that versus a Dalek is an even match. But having Exelons just bash them with sticks. Yeah, the the final straw for me was when the Dalek it explodes because it let Jill get away. Oh yeah, no, I know. So th- this is a whole point. I, I I've I've made it on. I think this is worthy of a conversation. As in a, a separate topic, uh, I've written down the quote: "Human female has escaped. I have failed. Self destruct." Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, it, it it that has there is no precedent for it. Da- First off, we haven't had Dalek self destruct. Period. Like we haven't had any Dalek ever suicide bomb or just even die out of shame which seems to be the case here right it's like oh yeah. no i haven't served my purpose i must self-destruct so they, um, that dalek actually says self-destruct yeah oh so uh, i think i missed that it, well that's what i've written down maybe yeah. maybe i i misheard it but i wrote down human female has escaped i have failed self-destruct Wow. And then it blows up, as it you said. It does blow up, yeah. And it seems to be the equivalent of, you have so many, in the 70s and in the 80s, you have so many sci-fi movies where in order to beat the robot or the alien or the master computer, you pose a paradox and the, yeah. and this like implodes the computer. In fact, the doctor uses that method yeah. to On kill the, city. the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is the equivalent for a Dalek. You make a Dalek go, oh, I, I haven't served my purpose. And it just explodes. That makes no sense. By exploding, it's now leaving all these slaves unguarded. Yeah. It is the worst of the space Nazis. Like it, it's it. Now it has failed. And I, I feel like 
we see time and time again Daleks returning from patrols that have cocked something up or absolutely like and they might get shot by Another the other Dalek, Dalek or something yeah, exactly they're, the, they're that kind of people they're not the kind of people that like kamikaze absolutely not they're not that stupid and it's not even way. looking around no like, I mean it shows that they put a blanket over themselves and the Dalek just doesn't see them at first We've already established the Daleks can see very little to begin with. <laughs> Just at least pan across the cave, Dalek one. <laughs> I think this happens a couple of times, actually. I, uh, I don't know if it's ever established if da- Daleks have other senses. But well, not that we uh, know of yeah, here, anyway. Because I feel like they should have... They should have upped their technology to have some kind of other sensory things. Cause but that's the thing that we get in New Who, whereby they still see the, just but the even, barrel. Even but even not just a vision thing, because oh, okay. they're literally hiding behind a rock at one point, and the Daleks just kind of fly on by. But the Daleks are looking for them. Yeah. The Daleks are looking for them. <laughs> and they don't go, right, we've gone through this entranceway. Yeah. Now, before we go out that other entrance exit way, yeah. let's... Investigate this area. Let's yeah. go around this rock. Exactly. And have a little look. <laughs> or if they had sensors, like let's, let's scan this area, you know. But that doesn't ever seem to happen with Daleks. They just they're like I, I have to go in this trajectory, just just that way. And if I don't see them within you know yeah. three seconds, I self destruct. <laughs> I think this merits bringing back a Dalek character who was a part of Who Back When years ago, namely Dalek three four seven who is the, just the shit Dalek, <laughs> the lazy shit Dalek on patrol. Uh, we Damn have, it, 347. <laughs> Damn you, you had one job to do. <laughs> and now you've blown up. <laughs> Stop blowing up when I'm being annoyed at you. <laughs> I agree, this makes no sense, and as far as I'm aware, it is never picked up again. But we'll see. It, no, I was going to say, maybe it's a Pertwee thing, but and we only have another, what, two episodes of Pertwee. This is the anti-penultimate Pertwee serial. Yeah. I think so. So maybe maybe this is improved upon when we get to the Tom Baker era. But... I hope so. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm so looking forward to the <laughs> Tom Baker era. I'm so, I'm so excited. I am... Um, Sad to leave Pertwee, obviously. See, I, I've obviously missed a lot of Pertwee. He, he had a good old run before I joined on this uh, podcast. Ish, not super long. Has he, has he had like three series or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm definitely in at the end, and I I don't think like I I like John Pertwee as an actor. Yeah. Um. I don't think I like his Doctor. I think I, I think I'm settling in that kind of area. Oh, okay. Um. I think maybe it is. It's way more than three series, by the oh. way. Sorry, I've just looked it up. Sorry to cut you off there. So uh, the Third Doctor, John Pertwee, 1970 to 1974. He he started in season seven. And we are now in season 11. Oh, right. His, his final season. Okay. Yeah, five seasons. I think um, what I kind of dislike a bit, a bit about it is actually the what we said about Terry Nation's writing. Yeah. Because he's quite often seen to be doing science-y stuff. But like in this serial, he's literally, there's a, a circuit board of non-description. Yeah. From obviously alien technology, but it's blatantly a human circuit board from of the seventies. Yeah, um, which he's reprogramming he's with like a a player of pliers. Yeah, <laughs> a pair of pliers. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> like it, it may have you know, it's nothing to do with Pertwee a lot of the time. I'm sure it's just. The I way, think that's the writing. It's the I way think it's that's... written. 
for some reason in his area. I don't, I don't know if it's this bad before. But I think that's Terry Nation because even one serial ago when we were here with the, like, the invasion of the d- dinosaurs, we have the, the doctor building this that massive... stun gun thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's using his scientific savvy to construct this, this device. Yeah. Whereas here, it's just like Terry Nation is like, science smash, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a far more basic approach to science. Yeah. I can't even, in this serial, does, does the Doctor even finish that? Because ultimately things just no. blow up. Yeah, you're right. He does one of two circuit boards. He pulls out two circuit boards. He fixes one of them, shoves it in there. The second one he is left on the desk because the mutants show up. Yeah. Never returns to it. The city disintegrates. Like, it does, it has a wobble. Wobble? A, a wobble. A wobble. <laughs> oh, it has a, it's, it's like a wobble, but in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> a wobble. <laughs> It has it has a major major wobble, and yeah. they're they're allowed to escape because everything's going high haywire. Yeah, which is presumably because of the reprogrammed circuitry. Presumably, I'm not quite sure it was enough to make the citadel melt. No. Okay, can I ask you a question about this? How do you feel about him fucking killing the citadel? Could well, he just have reprogrammed it to be harmless, to be a you know to provide shelter for the Exelons? Yeah, I. He, he never does anything to unite the two Exelon factions no. either. His. He's very, um, I don't want to use the term racist, but he is a little bit racist in this, actually. Because his entire motivation through this serial is help the humans get what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Shit on everything else. <laughs> Other than Beryl. He likes Beryl. Beryl yeah. But, but, uh, but I don't know what happens to Beryl. Like, no. It's like it's, he's still going to be persecuted by the, the other excellence. And I mean, presumably between this serial and the next one, it, there's going to be a period of time that we never get to see as viewers, and it will include the Doctor saying something to the effect of, so Beryl, go back into the underground tunnel yeah. <laughs> where you belong. The, I'm off to have tea and crumpets. <laughs> there's no root monster anymore, though. <laughs> oh, by the way... The... As far as we're aware. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, but by the way, the Exelons that have been persecuting you have had a massive blow to their social structure because the thing they worship has melted. Yeah. They might well go on a rampage and just kill all of you. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, mass commit mass suicide or, or something. They yeah. now have nothing to like, live for. The makeup of the civilization <laughs> on this planet has just been utterly destroyed. <laughs> And the dog's just, ah, humans, you got your medicine. Very good. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, non sequitur. How do you feel about the Dalek target practice with a model TARDIS, which was clearly just taken from the BBC props (laughs) department? (laughs) Utterly unnecessary. (laughs) I don't know. I I remember panning to it and and just going, what the the fuck? What What, the fuck is this? What's this? What's this? (laughs) Um, But then, then they do walk out with new weaponry and it, it kind of made sense but it yeah it felt very like ham-fisted to yeah, why would they practice there. a why would they have a model tardis yeah okay so or not even a model tardis why would, would they have a model police box and b why would they practice shooting it would it not make more sense to shoot something that is you know Life size. <laughs> are they ever? Or, are they ever going to have to fire upon a teeny tiny <laughs> version of the of the TARDIS? No. Maybe that's Plan B. <laughs> Shrink the TARDIS? <laughs> Question mark. Plan, uh, part C. Shoot TARDIS. <laughs> um, or would it not make more sense from a technology and scientific point of view to have something you can measure? You know, like a. a 
target that's a certain distance away and you're yeah. aiming for something and you can you can tell if it's accurate or not. Exactly. <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> I shot that random thing on that pedestal. Let's wheel out these weapons now, lads. <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> um, very minor plus point. Okay. In the sense that they didn't really care about the women through most of this serial. Yeah. But in, ep- in episode four, they get something to do. <laughs> they get they get to swap the medicine around and, or whatever it is, this res- resource. Yeah. And get it on the human That's true. ship. You know, they, they save the day kind of, actually. They do, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's Well, they Galloway saves the day by kamikaze the Daleks. Or da- is it Galloway? Is that his name? Oh, Galloway. Is Galloway, what I yeah, thank you, yeah. yeah. So Galloway saves the day by kamikazing, but the the two women on the cast, they then make his sacrifice worth it. Yes. Yeah. Because they've got the payload that humanity Yeah, needs. exactly. But we never get to actually see them do anything clever. It's just afterwards, like, hey, while you weren't watching, we did this really cool thing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, great. Yeah, they are only allowed 30 seconds of screen time to say, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> now back to the boys. <laughs> I was thinking at a certain point during this serial that, like, mm, man, the, the stuff that women put up with yeah. <laughs> in the 70s by the BBC, by, well, society at large, obviously, but, like, yeah, also including the yeah. BBC and Doctor Who, it's just, it's tragic and ridiculous. It may be related, but I'm not sure if it is. I can't help but note, well, I put this in the first episode, and it did change a bit. Okay. But this is the third time in a row that... Sarah Jane has spent a lot of her time through a serial on her own, doing her own little adventures. Yeah, thing. Beryl's the real companion. Yeah. Um, the Doctor and Sarah Jane, like, I think they kind of come together again in the middle, but then they Ish. then they go apart again. Yeah. Like, she spends probably 80% of this serial just doing her own thing. Yeah. I don't know. Or just off screen. Yeah. I, I think that's going to change, though. I mean, certainly in her case, it's going to change. I would, I, I would hope so. I don't know if it changes pre-Tom Baker, but certainly after Tom Baker shows up, it, there's more collaboration as far as I recall. And I mean, she is, I think it's fair to say, by far the most famous companion. Yeah. And it, I think that's because she eventually gets a lot of agency and screen time and fantastic chemistry, you know, on-screen chemistry with the Doctor. So the, um, yeah, I think that's going to change. Because I, I, I find it kind of, an interesting thing because I find I'm not actually opposed to the companion um, having their own little adventure. It oh, shows right. it shows them being capable and yeah, they're uh, kind of they're obviously not the same level as the Doctor, but they they can achieve something and be a proper. I guess I'm trying, can, trying to avoid the word psychic, but you know they they can actually like help and do stuff, and they can be independent and yeah, they, 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 they can, can work be, two things at once. Exactly, they the can be the agent or hero, if you will, of their own. Yeah, line. and I think yeah, Sarah Jane is is for the most part doing that. There there are a few occasions when it it doesn't quite work that way, but for the most part, when she's off on her own, she is making things happen. She's getting stuff done. Yeah, um, and I I really like that, but I I do find it odd, like especially compared to New Who. Like it's very rare that the companions spin off to their own. Yeah, yeah, and if if they do, it's more the Doctor's doing of trying to protect them or something, and it's just kind of like sidelining them, um, and they probably don't really do a lot in that episode. They're, they're more kind of like a, a, a knapsack being thrown around. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I, I find I find it interesting actually that this is this is the introduction of Sarah Jane. Like you say, she is she is the by far the most famous. Absolutely. I mean, she got um, her own show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know what the next episode's about. The the episode after that, the very last Pertwee one, is Planet of the Spiders. And I haven't seen it, but I've seen the same screenshots that probably everyone has of uh, Sarah Jane with the spider on her back. With the uh, the thing that's then not paralleled or spoofed, or let's call it paralleled, by uh, in turn left. With, with Donna uh, and the yeah, Beatles. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And uh, presumably she's going to be... Uh, a huge part of that serial. You know, she's going to be taken over by a, spy- a spider and be sort of suddenly the bad, like the antagonist, presumably. Mm, interesting. I'm basing that purely <laughs> on a screenshot, so <laughs> I don't know. Well, I am looking forward to that anyway. Uh, and also, sorry, slight parenthesis, uh, Drew and I may recently have listened to the next audiobook in line, uh, which mm-hmm. is, well, it's a double episode. It's um, The Eight Truths and Web of something oh shit something the web of whatever who cares but it, it, it's a it's the return of those spiders from planet of spiders oh yeah yeah so might be a bonus episode coming up ladies and gents yeah <laughs> we'll see but yeah anyway so I, I imagine that she will gain a lot more agency do you think that if she suddenly stops spinning off and doing her own thing and instead collaborates with the doctor do you think that subtracts from her agency as a character or do you think that gives her more prominence because she gains more screen time i don't know i, I mean this is what i find interesting is that I, I think you're right that she she's missing out on a lot of screen time through a lot of these serials yeah um but she's getting to do her own thing and i don't see why the doctor can't be with sarah jane and her, and, her doing yeah. stuff but <laughs> i do worry particularly the way i'm kind of feeling pertwee's doctor is he won't give her that agency no he he likes to be center stage yeah and, yeah so i'm kind of i'm kind of glad that it is this way in a way <laughs> um yeah. and i okay i'm suspecting it like i think like you're hinting at it it probably will be that way for pertwee but then it will switch with baker i think so yeah i watched tom baker as a kid so i don't have a perfect recollection of this but it, that's that is that's the impression that i remember yeah but so far, you know, I I like her as a a character, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because I I want to go back um, right to the start, actually. Okay, let's hear it. Because th- those of uh, podcast lands that aren't too familiar, like my world is New Who mainly. Mm-hmm. I I was growing up with some of classic Who, but um, I don't remember that clearly. But we obviously are re- reviewing Matt Smith's era with. Amy Pond. That's true. And Rory. And there are frequent references to, I think through maybe three episodes, Amy being dressed for Rio. Oh, yeah. Which, at the very start of this episode, of course, they're expecting to go on a holiday. On Florana. On Florana, a oh. very sunny planet. Um, Sarah Jane is in her two-piece... Rather skimpy outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is obviously there for the dance. Um... <laughs> But she does. She says at one point, "I'm not really dressed for this planet," which I hey. took as a. I, I did wonder if the whole I was I would dress for Rio thing was was a little callback to this. I don't know. I bet it is. I I think you're very right in noting noting that. I, and I wonder if maybe that's something that's going to show up throughout the rest of uh, Classic Who as well. In fact, maybe it has shown up already, and I just haven't noticed it. But 
I don't know. The Doctor oh, it constantly goes places he didn't intend to. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I feel like if you are rebooting a Doctor Who, yeah. you're going to be a bit of a nerd on the classics. So. And you're definitely going to include a reference to this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very nice observation. Yeah, I think you're. I think that's spot on. Mm. Yeah. Okay, also, at the very start of this, Sarah Jane goes, well, I can't wear this uh, skimpy outfit all cereal or I'll freeze to death. Wait here. Don't go anywhere. Let me just change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Doc goes, I promise I won't go anywhere. Cut to the doctor goes somewhere. <laughs> like, just leaves. Straight up lies to her face and exits screen. <laughs> the big question here would be, Why? <laughs> Like he he doesn't have a plan at this point. There's, there's there's no reason for him to just bugger off. Yeah, I think this is just Terry Nation yeah. poor writing, you know. Yeah. I mean, surely, whatever the intention originally was, surely they filmed this and someone on set is just going to go, yeah, but we just left. Like, <laughs> are, are we not going to have him just stick around a little bit? Maybe film this from a different angle so it doesn't seem like he's walking far? <laughs> no, I, he walks, he takes a fucking promenade. Like... I feel like it was entirely deliberate. Like this, because it was so much of a setup. Like <laughs> that I, he's just a dick. Yeah, for some <laughs> reason they've written it that the doctor is being an absolute asshole. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not going to go anywhere. Quick, she's not looking. <laughs> yeah, I'm off. <laughs> like it's just, I, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why, and I don't know if you are going to go into this point. Okay, but she replaces her two-piece outfit with a one-piece outfit. Which is also not like covering her legs. It's she's got big boots on and stuff, but you feel like I'm I'm wanting to clothe myself for a cold planet. So I'm gonna wear this other skimpy outfit. I I genuinely don't remember. Like it's not it's not skimpy, but it's showing skin. Like (laughs) like if you want to be covering up for a planet, do you not put on some trousers? You know, I can't remember what she changes into. It is it's some weird kind of. um, Is it a space onesie? Well, it's it's kind of like a a shorts jumpsuit oh okay yeah i don't remember that but, but yeah <laughs> i think maybe that's just a symptom of the 70s yeah um stray observation did you notice that galloway wears a badge on his uniform that's basically a sideways star star trek logo no i did not no screenshot on whobackone.com just galloway uh i think so i only noticed this with galloway maybe it's all of them but it it looks exactly like the star trek badge except it's sideways because uh, he's the one I didn't actually note down what um, his rank is, interestingly. But, uh, but head shitball. <laughs> he's dreadful. Because there's a captain, there's a commander, there's a lieutenant, and then there's him. And he, I guess, would that make him sergeant? I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I just, I'm just thinking, if he's wearing some kind of thing like that, then are they not all wearing something? And if they're not, then that's a stupid error. True. Point done. <laughs> all of the energy has been sucked out of everything. Mm-hmm. TARDIS doesn't work, weapons don't work, whatever. Why does the Sonic still work? Because it's the Sonic. It defies all reason. Oh, okay. It's like well, the Daleks. Why can't the Daleks move around? Yeah. yeah. They brush over the fact that the Daleks can move around. They also brush over the fact that the Dalek ship lands. Oh, oh that's true. But maybe it takes a while. Because like in the beginning when we get just myriad examples of oh electricity is, is being drained we have like hmm, turn on this flashlight and it works for a moment and then it goes out yeah know? so it, yeah i i'm i'm prepared to cut that but then there's like i mean there are lights on in the dalek ship and why can it take off 
you know why 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 does everything work well it takes off after everything's been sorted out oh it? it has you're right yeah, yeah. It was only the landing I had issue with, because I think the humans make a point to say that they crashed. Or, oh, I see. I don't know. Maybe everything manages to just about land, and then it all goes to pot. I Actually, I do want to quickly, uh-huh. very quickly, Okay. just, you hinted at this, when they're talking about landing on the planet Florna. Florana. Florana. Yeah, Florana, <laughs> don't you know? Florana. Ah. Um, Where do you summer? I summer in Florana. <laughs> Sorry. Not Florana. <laughs> Florana. They assume they're on that planet. They they assume that they're basically there. And then the TARDIS has problems. Yeah. And you, I think you were kind of hinting like... My very first note is, are they on Florana? Yeah. Like, yeah. They should be, really. Like, I don't know. Unless it's just the, is it just the TARDIS doing its shit again? or Is it the energy suckage that has taken them off course and brought them to Exelon? Ju- just because they went near the planet? That's nonsense, though. Yeah. It's never explained. You're right. That is never explored. Yeah, because I really didn't know what planet they were on. To Screw be honest. you, Terry Nation. Because yeah. you made... Rest in peace. You made a comment off Mike that, um, is this the planet Thrawn? Like, yeah. had they just been misled, I think was the assumption that... It's this sunny, wonderful place to go and holiday. Yeah. But actually, it's a... I mean, they could go to Florana, but it's the wrong point in time. Like, yeah. It give, maybe this is uh, seven billion years after it was a paradise or before it was a paradise or whatever, but it's still the right place, you know? Yeah. But according to the internet, this is the planet... Exelon. Exelon. Yeah. So, yeah, the TARDIS went and landed somewhere else and got zapped for its pains. It's another case, by the way, of, uh, sorry, th- just the name Exelon. It's another case of, oh, someone has been exiled. The planet is called Exelon. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're not exiled to that planet. It's some people on the planet getting exiled somewhere else on that planet. <laughs> yeah, but that also makes no sense. <laughs> you should call this Homon or something, and then because it's their home world, and then one person was exiled, it's not like, oh, we'll name this after the minority that we have persecuted for millennia. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's absurd. Shall we rate this? Yeah, I suppose so. Let's do that. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Full disclosure, we pressed pause on the recording, noted down our own scores for this, and then had a very quick glance at uh, what you find peeps in podcast land said in your listener minis, and your ratings are way higher than ours. (laughs) We're not going to change ours, though. No, we are not changing. Absolutely not. No, no. Integrity. (laughs) We feel like you found something in the serial we haven't, though. Oh, we must have missed something. Like we we don't know what you, what each other's ratings are at the moment. We but. don't, and we also haven't read the other mini reviews. We've only no, glanced just, at the ratings. Just the ratings. Okay. Uh, do you want to start or shall I start? You go for it. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail as we've just discussed this in detail, but production values I feel are what boost this serial for me. Uh, I I love the Plan Nine from Outer Space type effects, and I love okay. the. I, I don't know what it's called, the back projection thing with, like, it's not a blue screen, but whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, I love those effects, and they're iconic of the time. The, uh, however, where this falls short is the realization over the past couple of hours that this is just a poor remake of the Daleks. <laughs> uh, and, and, like, absolutely emphasis on the poor. I loved the Daleks as a serial, and this, by the same writer, seems like, oh, you didn't even make an effort, buddy. There are so many loose ends. The 
the Dalek voices I don't care for, the Dalek vulnerability I don't, I don't care for, the clown porno soundtrack, which we didn't discuss, but you know what? Here's a soundbite of that. Clown porno soundtrack. Will you give us some context for this? Oh, okay. You know what? Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> uh, bing bong. Oh, is that the doorbell? Is that the clown I ordered for little Timmy's birthday party? He's early. Timmy's not even home yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean recite the clown porno you watched last night. <laughs> Open the door. Bozo the clown stands center, center screen. Red nose, makeup, everything. Mm, I'm here to entertain. You're an hour early, Bozo. Mm, what can we do to pass the time? Yeah, that's, the, that's what I'm thinking of. The, it, the music is terrible, and it seems to proceed... Certainly in episodes three and four, whenever the Daleks enter the next challenge, like the challenge that we've just seen the Doctor and Beryl face and, uh, you know, supersedes or uh, succeed, uh, the Daleks then enter that respective room and they are preceded by this terrible music that just makes it seem like... This is this is too happy go lucky. It's too comedic. It it it's too clownish, and I fucking hate clowns. <laughs> Sorry if any clowns are in the audience. All of that, and but mostly because the writing is so terrible. And for all the reasons that we've noted over the course of this review, I'm really sorry, but I am giving this a. I think it's a one point six. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how I feel right now, okay? Uh, that's not to say that I will never rewatch this. This is a 1.6 by Doctor Who standards. This is not a 1.6 in general, right? Yeah. So it, I, I will happily rewatch this serial, but I will rewatch it knowing that it is a pile of shit. 1.6. I, I Take that, podcast land. <laughs> wow. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm going to regret this. I that. think this might be a rare instance where you're rating lower than, than oh, me. Oh, what have you decided? Go wow. for it. See, I, I don't, I don't know about this serial really. It, I feel like all my reviews start this way. I don't know. It's a bit this. It's a bit that. Um, I think it was an incredibly slow open for this serial. The first episode is actually pretty boring. Yeah. Um, so it's not after a great start. Um, <laughs> the Daleks are just underused and weird. Pants. But they're in the title. <laughs> <laughs> it's death to the Daleks. And they're probably one of the worst things in it. Yeah. Um, like, we were more excited about the trouser snake monster in the, in the lake than yeah. the Daleks. Like, <laughs> that should not be happening. Um, Why is this not called Death to the Trouser Snake Monster? <laughs> well, yeah. I kind of liked um, the whole kind of cre- creation killing the creator aspect of the city. Okay. And it's quite interesting that it's a city. It's not like some random monster or a robot or like, you know, it's it's a bit more grand and like uh, a harder concept to kind of get your head around for this, this sentient city that could yeah. create stuff. Like that, that's quite an interesting thing, but it's a very small part of the serial. Really. And it's not really explored. And it's not, not given its, its dues. Yeah. Um, then we get puzzle rooms <laughs> for the majority of 
well, it's spread over two episodes, but it probably makes up half an episode. A hundred percent. Of just watching the Doctor and his companion solve some logic puzzles or being tortured. I kind of liked the, the psychological torture scene as using the kind of effects they use on the intro sequence, so that, you know, that kind of technology of the time. Yeah. That kind of looked cool. Like you say, the production values are quite interesting. I think they've done some interesting things in this serial. But the way they've used the Daleks, the writing in it is just very poor yeah um so i i was kind of middling when i was watching it like some episodes i wrote rated like a one other episodes <laughs> got into the threes. Oh, well done yeah um but i i settled with a 2.4 but since we've been okay. discussing i've dropped that <laughs> and i'm finally going to give it a 2.1 2.1 yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and podcast land is gonna hate us. <laughs> uh, I'm super curious to read these minis because clearly people have seen something that we haven't. Yeah, I, but, I hope it comes out through these minis. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but for my money, go and watch the Daleks, or if you absolutely want to see something in color, then watch the Peter Cushing movie Doctor Who and the Daleks. The Thal are better than the Exelons. The Daleks are better than the City Computer. You get more Dalek action anyway. Even the challenges are better. Yeah. You've been told. <laughs> Do as Leon says. Okay, let's listen to some minis. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Okie dokie. So we have a whole bunch of listener minis, and first out of the gate is Jim the Fish. Hello, Jim the Fish. Hello, Jim, that fish man. <laughs> Jim the Fish begins, ahoy, blah, 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 fish noises. Uh, first time reviewer, but long time listener, just a few points I like that may be of interest. Oh, I wonder if, wait, first time reviewer? Maybe this All is some- classic, is it? Might be, either that or this is a, a review that Jim the Fish sent us uh, out of order before everything else. I'm not sure. I've just done a Google search, so I don't know. Okay. Or G- Google, G- Gmail search. Uh, anyway, Jim the Fish starts off, it's established that Pertwee decided to leave after Katie Manning's departure and the death of Roger Delgado. However, it was the frustration he felt while making death that made his mind up. What? No way. <laughs> surprise, surprise. After manually cranking open the TARDIS doors, Sarah decides to change into something more comfortable. But not before she makes the Doctor promise that he won't leave her. Then... <laughs> As we noted, as soon as Sarah's back is turned, he leaves her. What a dickhead. Correct, Jim the Fish. Uh, Jim continues, I really like Carrie Blyton's score for this episode. (gasps) While too playful for Daleks, agreed, I still love me some saxophone and clarinets. Definitely a sound rarely heard heard so prominently on Doctor Who before before and after. The melodies and intervals used in the music for this story are supposed to be representative of the music of the Incas and Aztecs, the themes of ancient civilizations and impossible architecture, which is exactly what this story revolves around. Interesting. I I did make a note to listen to the music a bit. Yeah, Yeah, one man's Inca and Aztec is another man's clown porn, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And that other man being Leon. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Jim the Fish continues, The Exelons. Okay, so they're just primitives, but by God, they are creepy. Mm. Episode one in particular, when they are gliding around the place in the dark. The way the Exelon cloaks blend in with their surroundings is put into good effect. 
One moment, it seems like a huge rock, but then it moves in pursuit of a doctor. The Stan people in Star Wars are very reminiscent of the Exxons. Mm. I did actually have that in oh, my really? mind a little bit, but I, I thought the Exxons were a bit crap, so <laughs> we'll leave that to the side. As opposed to the sand people <laughs> in Star Wars. Well. <laughs> Jim the Fish carries on with this train of thought. Maybe they were inspired by them. Star Wars was two years after this. Malal is a wonderful character, and while the actor playing him had a very hard time in the costume, he definitely should have been a companion. Yeah. He was. <laughs> he kind of was yeah. in this serial, yeah. Now, unfortunately, really sorry, Jim the Fish, but we have hit 250 words, so we're going to stop here and jump straight to Jim the Fish's rating, which he... Uh, okay, you know what? Let's read both of them, because... Uh, and I hope you don't mind, Jim, but... Uh, uh, the Fish... <laughs> <laughs> Jim the Fish originally added a rating of 2.6 tiny model TARDISes out of 5, and then... <laughs> That's the record scratching there. <laughs> and then changed this to a 4.1. That is a... That's a leap. That's a leap. I wonder... I mean, possibly this was just a typo in the first place, but it It's meant not, to be 6.2. <laughs> it... it, it 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 may also be indicative of the kind of uh, emotional roller coaster that this serial uh, takes you on. I mean, uh, Jim, you will note, you will confirm that whilst watching this, I was sending WhatsApp messages about this, and I did say at one point, like my first message was something to the effect of "This is the worst Dalek serial I have ever seen," and then I changed my mind and just went like, "This is totally badass." <laughs> so maybe that's what Jim the Fish went through. We didn't actually get clarification on. This this point. What point in the serial did you go, this is badass? Oh, this is badass. I think that's when, I mean, in the beginning, it was like, why don't they just rename this serial Judo for Beginners? And then <laughs> <laughs> two episodes later, we have the Nessie scene with the dragon root and uh, all, like, all these fight sequences. And I... I don't think that Doctor Who is about action scenes, but 70s Doctor Who kind of was, and they did a, a very good job of it in this one. And I guess that's what I felt. It was like, oh, wow, this is badass. We've got a dragon in the lake, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so Jim the Fish, 4.1 out of 5. Nice. Okay, I'm glad you like the music. Next up. We've got Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Now, Paul has given us uh, a great summary Thank you very much, Paul. Or rather, beat by beat of the entire thing. Yeah, and uh, I bet there are people in Podcastland who haven't watched this and do not want to watch this. Seriously, go to whobackone.com, read Paul's synopsis, because it'll do the job. But we we don't want to read out all of it, because we like nice round 250, <laughs> yeah. or, or below, yeah. <laughs> below preferably, because <laughs> we, we've talked a lot already. So we're going to jump to his final judgment. Yeah. And... His little synopsis at the end is, The ideas in this story were familiar, fascinating, and poorly executed. Yep. Nevertheless, Death to the Daleks entertains. Agreed. You know what? Agreed. Even though 1.6, I bloody agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it sums up a lot of things. Like, there is a lot of up and down sentiment in just that one little snippet. Yeah. Familiar, fascinating, poorly executed. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, Seriously, Paul. ladies and gents, go to whobackone.com, read Paul's synopsis in its full splendor, and when you've done so, high-five him online. He is at Wordsmith Paul. Next up, we have Trenton Bliss. Hello, Trenton. Hi, Trenton. So I'm not sure what that was quite <laughs> the center. Hi, Trenton. Hello. <laughs> 
So Trenton's given us a little bit over, so we're we're gonna just read the first few paragraphs we've got here. So it it might stop a little bit abruptly. Sure. But you can carry on reading the rest online. Mm, I, mean, I say sure as a representative of podcast land here. Sure, Jim, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do just that. It got me reassured to continue, so thank you, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Trenton starts with his review. Death of the Daleks is indeed an improvement on the two previous Pertwee stories that involved the menacing pepper pots. Mm. But it's still riddled with issues. Let's discuss. Let's. Trenton goes on, the cliffhanger for episode 3 is just pants for a start. Agreed, 100% agreed. Why is a floor so threatening? I mean, we know later, but to end an episode on stop, don't move, and a close-up of a checked floor is really just boring. Pertwee and Sladen don't really mix well here, with the Doctor coming off as patronising at some points, and the Exelons easily defeated the Daleks with spears and arrows. What was that about, being the masters of the universe? And those puzzles were a bit anticlimactic, don't you think? Yes, I do think, Trenton. Yes, we think that. Yes, 100%. We are on the same page. (laughs) Trenton carries on. But on the subject of the Daleks, they had done much better here than they had been the two years prior. Hmm... I'm not sure if Leon agrees with you there. Oh, I'm not entirely sure either. I'm going to look... It, while we it, while you read this out, I'm going to look up what we gave those episodes. Okay. So Trenton carries on with, It's interesting to see them with actual bullet-shooting guns rather than with the usual exterminator gun. I find that interesting too. Yeah. Plus, they don't trundle about like the Daleks from Planet of the Daleks do, and they aren't 100% unnecessary like they were in Day of the Daleks. Mm. Maybe because they are actually using repainted Daleks from the 1960s made it better. I mean, the silver works with the Daleks, but I still think the gunmetal grey looks way better. The Daleks are these Nazi-like creatures, and the gunmetal grey fits them, unlike a later Dalek design. (coughs) Paradigm Daleks. And that's where we're leaving that review. Yeah, go to whobackwhen.com, read the rest of Trenton's spiffing mini-review, but we will spoil it with his rating, which is a 3.1 out of 5. Blimey. Yeah, nicely done. I, I, I am definitely being convinced that <laughs> maybe we were a little bit... I don't. I no. I don't know. I, uh, I still miss some. I still here. feel like the words I'm reading here are fairly negative. <laughs> I don't know. If if you want to elaborate further on what got you to your scores, reviewers, then okay. then pop a comment on whobackwhen.com. You know what I would be really curious to hear about is uh, whether podcast land sending in minis or ratings of these serials. Whether whether people in general rate these in the context of classic who or in the context of who in general so classic and new who or just you know tabla rasa this is i'm gonna rate this the the exact same way i would rate forrest gump you know yeah no it's interesting i I could even do it based on the doctor so this could be a a 3.1 pertwee that's also true yeah absolutely absolutely which which we don't tend to do we we tend to rate i think exclusively in the realms of Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that goes for all of us here. And that being said, like anything above, I'm going to say about a 0.3, which I believe is what we gave Edge of Discretion, <laughs> anything above that, I will happily rewatch a million times. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I, either way, fascinating stuff. Now, I did just look up the previous 
Pert Wee Dalek cereals. Okay. Okay. And uh, just because it's kind of uh, interesting and relevant, uh, the previous one was C068, Planners of the Daleks, uh, which I gave a 3.9. Oh. I loved that cereal, well, clearly. Did. Yeah. Before that, we had Frontier in Space, which featured the Daleks, and I gave that a 2.0. Which and that's not even really a Dalek cereal. It also has Daleks. Uh, but actually, wait, no, it is a Dalek cereal. It's a massive Dalek cereal. What am I talking about? I'm talking out of my ear. But yeah, 2.0, still better than this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, go to whobackwhen.com, read Trenton's mini in its full splendor. Trenton, thank you very much for sending this in. People of Podcast Land who are not Trenton, you can follow Trenton online. He is at Trenton Bless. That is Bless with two what, Jim? S's. That's right. <laughs> Next up. He's a good. He's a good. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> we have David E. He's David E. <laughs> <laughs> it's David E. <laughs> no, I can't steal Drew's thing. Hey, David. Hi, David. David gets right to the point by going, right then. <laughs> Here it is. This is the story that made me a Doctor Who fan at 14. Bias. <laughs> <laughs> I was homesick looking through my dad's VHS collection and found this. I've been hooked ever since. Okay, David E. continues, It's got a great spooky beginning, really eerie music, disagree, some amazing location work, it's a quarry, and I love (laughs) seeing the Daleks taken down a peg for a bit and having to be inventive. Agreed, agreed, nice point. David also continues with, I love the sentient city idea and Balao. He That's should have Balao, yeah, not Beryl. <laughs> not Beryl. <laughs> he should have been a companion. He was. <laughs> <laughs> and David uh, concludes the needless Dalek panic attack is a bit weird, but this gem of the Pertwee era cannot be anything but. <gasps> There's only one number here. Yeah. There's not an out of. No. It's just five. five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, Holy moly. I don't want to be causing any offence. No. But I'm pretty sure, David, there's a massive nostalgia value attached to that I number. I think so too, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. Absolutely. We, we enjoy how much you've enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, David. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I'm, You know what? This is a great one to start on. If you're 14 and you're going to start on any serial, I'm really happy that you started on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess actually that's something we didn't really discuss. There's a lot of kind of Doctor Who-y stuff in this. Like, you said it is kind of a remake of an earlier one, so it is yeah. always going to give it a jump start. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But you've got the Daleks, you've got a lot of Sonicking, you've got some challenges. Yeah. The Doctor's using his Venusian Aikido and Hopscotch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Either way, yeah, good stuff. Uh, David, thank you very much. Next up, we have... Michael Ridgway. 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 <laughs> Hiya, Michael. Hello. So, Michael has some golden nuggets. All right. He starts with the title, on par with Let's Kill Hitler, but meeting expectations. Agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next golden nugget. Spooky city, it's robot snakes, death traps, antibody zombies, and melty control room man. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Next golden nugget is the Daleks back on form. Ag- agree Just, to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly liked their target practice on a toy TARDIS. Yeah, we're, we're just not really <laughs> yeah, in sync yeah, with people here. Yeah. Yeah. 
always assumed the Daleks did this, but have never actually seen it. <laughs> you, that's, that's a really good point, actually. Just a little pause out here, Michael. You assumed the Daleks were having TARDIS practice on a four-inch TARDIS. I imagine the Daleks... I think this is what Michael's uh, getting at. Y- you know in Spaceballs, when Dark Helmet is <laughs> playing with the little action figures? <laughs> I bet that's what Daleks do in their spare time as well. Yeah, but but not so much the kissing. <laughs> yeah. The more the crushing under their fits. Oh, we don't have and this, lasering but... the action figures. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, next golden nuggets. Belal! Love that little guy. We love that little guy. Yeah, absolutely. Although he's barrel to us. <laughs> Of a golden nugget of Galloway, grumpy villain, t- villain turned hero, um, suicide bomber. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure he is a golden nugget for me. I no, I it's just kind of meh. I feel unexplored. like the redemption comes out of nowhere. It's not justified, and he's just a shit through most of the serial. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think maybe there's more potential to that character, but they don't explore it, or it's stuck on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've now had the golden nuggets. Now it's time for some. Beefs. <laughs> no. Come on, we can do it together. Beefs. <laughs> All right, first beef is story award for total git, the doctor. You won't wander off, will you? <laughs> yep. And how did those three dead guys not pass the maze test? It was the easiest one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And how did one manage to waste away, die, and rot to a skeleton while standing up? <laughs> yeah, that's a it's good point. Obviously okay. another military officer. He wasn't dismissed <laughs> by the superior officer. <laughs> Backbone, up until the yeah. very end. Literally. As a sucker for paperwork, I would have demanded to have seen the Daleks' scorched planet policy <laughs> and all its supporting protocols and procedures. All right. <laughs> He adds a question as well. What does the Hubak Wen gang think are the other 699 wonders of the universe that the doc refers to? Well. Oh, all right, here we go. 699th would obviously. Be, no, I am not. 699 wonders of the universe. 699. <laughs> Take one down, melt it around. <laughs> 698 wonders of the universe in the world. No, that doesn't work. No, seriously. Uh, can you think of anyone? I, I haven't thought about this. I, I feel like they they go to a lot of things. There's like the crystal planet and... Where oh, that's true. In, I, I knew who is my reference for a lot of this, but yeah. And there's where there's, there's that weird, a lot of singing uh, happens, which is that the episode that you and Drew always hate on? Oh, um, uh, which one? Oh, the singing like a, mountain things where know. Capaldi has like a... a 50-year one-night stand. Oh, there's <laughs> that. River song. Yeah. They'll be the, like, the oldest graffiti in the universe with the, Gall- well, Gallifreyan words that get sure. the doctor going to the... Yeah. yeah, yeah that, I'm sure there are. <laughs> we couldn't come up with it. There's but that- I'm sure there are 699 <laughs> things in the universe that are wonderful. <laughs> there's, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume some people, like Davros, the face of Bo, can't think of anyone else... When they died, they probably had, like, the most amazing mausolea. Uh, and uh, is that the plural? Is that the correct plural? Mausoleums? Whatever. As in someone crafted a thing yeah. for Davros. Yeah. Not the Daleks all cobbled the Daleks, together. The Daleks will 100%. And also the, the Emperor Dalek will have received some massive test tube made out of marble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not sure I'm The face of Bull will have received a giant statue of everything but a head. What? <laughs> I'm keeping that silence. 
<laughs> anyway, Michael Ridgway goes on. In summary, I had this on VHS as a kid, so clouded by nostalgia. But this was fantastic. Atmospheric and tense, temporarily powerless Daleks added a new dimension. The effects still impress. The robot root attack in the pond and then the slithering into the mud. And the melty city. Yeah, there are some good effects. We'll give you that. Absolutely. I'm not sure I'm giving you the rating. Okay. This, this is, again, tainted with nostalgia. He which, confesses. Which you have confessed to, yeah. Michael. I will give you that. Yeah. But the rating is 4.5 out of 5 grunting, chanting, machine gunned, and barbecued excellence. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Thank you very much for sending that in, Michael. People who are not Michael, you can follow Michael on Twitter. He is at bad underscore movie underscore club. And it's a really good... I, I subscribe to alerts from this uh, this Twitter account. It is great. Michael is working his way through some of the best of the worst of movies. It's wonderful to read what he thinks of them. Good stuff. Do you think we've accidentally stumbled onto a thing where this might be one of the, the most that- most owned VHS Doctor Who <laughs> serials or something? Uh, so loads of people had it. Loads of people grew up with it. That, yeah, or most people's dads had this. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like they they may not have been old enough to see it on t- TV yeah. at the time, but they grew up in a household where it was readily available. That's very very possible. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that explains why we <laughs> are so <laughs> so out of sync with everyone here. Because I'm not reading anything so far that's making me think. Hmm. Yeah, yes, this does yeah. deserve a four point five. <laughs> Okay, All right, so next up. Maybe Peter Z will have something to add into this mix. Zunich! Hello, Peter. Hi, Peter. <laughs> Peter starts with, We are presented with a living city which can absorb all power, including, apparently, from passing alternate dimensions. <laughs> it also sends out roots that both absorb and defend from organic-based elements. Makes sense so far. It's a wonderful basis for levelling the playing field. All the characters are in it together. One could even argue that the primitives have the upper hand. Great concept. Yeah. It also says the design was phenomenal, from the culturally instilled alien primitives to the beautiful, if underdecorated, city. Mm. The root probes were both astonishing and menacing, no doubt inspired by War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. Oh, ka-ching, Peter. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Not Trippet, so... No. <laughs> no, we are both members of the uh, same page club. Uh, Peter goes on. However, there's obvious issues. There are no outstanding performances. Everyone's just okay. Pacing is also a problem, one that could have been played down had it not been for the music score, which seemed specifically designed to emphasize how plodding the action was. Ultimately, though... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, there's a lot of emphasis on music in... Uh reviews around here which i just did not pick up on the slightest <laughs> yeah <laughs> well enjoy these sound bites yeah. <laughs> ultimately though the epic fail is the series title itself this is the story that should have been named city of death oh, oh my, my goodness God, Peter, you are so right <gasps> oh my goodness yes and then the actual serial city of death should not have been called city of death at all it should have been called fucking mona lisa I, I, I don't know the reference, but okay. I think we've talked about this before. That's the Tom Baker one where it's set in Paris slash in like past Italy where an alien goes back in time to the Renaissance and uh, forces Da Vinci to make to reproduce his own Mona Lisa, his own yeah. Gioconda, to then bring those copies, those reproductions back to the present day Paris and then sell them. G- good work, alien. And why is that called City of Death? No reason whatsoever. <laughs> this is such a good point. Oh, such a good point, Peter. But Peter, 
backs up this point a little <laughs> bit further, saying, sure, a few toasters snuffed it, but the name has nothing to do with the plot. The Daleks are totally underutilized and should probably have been removed entirely. Yep. I feel like but they, they, they are have... kind, of, kind of key to some aspects, but yeah, that they are not used well. They, I mean, if you're going to remake the Daleks anyway, and you're replacing the Daleks from the Daleks with the Exelon City, then just have it be death to the Exelons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, blurg. <laughs> <laughs> Because the ideas are as unique as the flaws, Peter goes on, this mediocre production manages to pull out an end result that is re-watchable, albeit rarely. I should like the story more than I do, but it got a half-heated effort from all involved. In fact, Peter concludes, let's call it City of Death 2 Cruise Control, because that's what everyone was on. Sandra Bullock would be proud. (laughs) And Peter comes in more in our kind of ballpark yeah. with a rating of 2.6. Nice one. Thank you very much, Peter. <laughs> You've given us some grounding there. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thanks super duper much for sending that in, Peter. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sending in your listener minis. Uh, ladies and gents who are not any of these people, please read their minis in their full splendor on whoback1.com and high five them on Twitter or your you know social media wall of choice. Or if you happen to bump into them in the street. Yeah, then just say hi. <laughs> Tell them hi from us. All right, next up. I mean, we do have another new Who coming up first, which is going to be... It's the... It's the... A centaur running around... No, not a centaur. It's it's like oh, the God, minotaur running around. God complex. Oh, that's the one, yeah. Minotaur running around the hotel <laughs> is what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, pretty much. Is that it? That's pretty much something. Uh, yeah. Okay, I haven't rewatched it yet. Okay, God Complex. Next up on the classic who, we have Monst- the Monster of Peladon, which I am super curious about because it's going to be a, I'm assuming, kind of sequel to another classic serial that we've reviewed already, namely The Curse of Peladon. Mm. Super curious about that. And that is going to be the penultimate Pertwee. After that, holy smokeroons and cheesecakes, Planet of Spiders and Tom Baker await. Wow. Yeah. So just stay tuned. Exciting times. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> This, I think this is kind of what you've been leading up to your entire podcast <laughs> career. It took is, five years. It's getting to Baker. <laughs> oh, you're so Tom close. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> looking forward to Tom Baker. You've seen Tom Baker, Rose? Not really, actually. No? no. <laughs> Had you seen Pertwee before? Not really, no. Oh, okay, cool. You, I, I, I might have seen a snippet somewhere, but you know, I have no recollection of pre-Sylvester McCoy. Oh, okay. Classic Who. Oh, well, yeah, in that case, I think we're both probably equally curious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> slash excited. Okie dokie. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, until the next time, you can say hi to us online. Jim, you're on Twitter? I am. I'm at Jimmy the Who. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can say hi to me as well. I'm at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. High five me and I will high five you right back. Until next time. Thanks again for listening. You've been awesome. <laughs> Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. <laughs> Bye-bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha-chao. Who back when?